otherwise on SAFM. A very good day to you, Mzanzi, from me, Shadow Twala. Welcome to our Thursday edition of Otherwise, Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The show's producer is Hazel Makuzeni, and our technical producer for today is Rob Parkin. Our contact details are 0892-102010, email otherwise at safm.co.za, tweets at otherwise safm, or at Shadotwala. Now, Dr. Kosi Kubega has been practicing Nichiren Buddhism for 17 years. We hear about this life-changing faith and its organization, Soccer Guy International, uh, which has around 400 members in South Africa. To the Islands is a practical guide for writers, beginners and seasoned explorers alike. We get inspiration from co-author Erica Kutsia. But uh, before all of that, our lunch bite, which is taken from Buddhist philosopher, peace builder, and educator, Gaisaku Ikeda. A great human revolution is just a single in, in just a single individual will enable a change in the destiny of all humankind. Otherwise, on SAFM. Dr. Korsi Gubega, uh, welcome to Otherwise. Thank you, Sishedu. Thank you so much, and good afternoon to the listeners at home. And thank you. Did we take you away from your lectures this afternoon? No, I'm at the moment marking. I'm getting ready for exams and marking assignments. Lecturing is finished. Oh, oh okay. Done for the year, yes. At least I'm not guilty of taking you away from your students. No, no, no. <laughs> Now, I'm so glad you could join us because, you know, I interviewed um, Pamela Nomvete not so long ago. Yes. And she mentioned that uh, she she had a mentor, the same uh, uh, philosopher I quoted, Daisaku Ikeda, and um, kind of gave me some inspiration to talk to you about uh, Nishiren Buddhism. What Can you just explain the background of Nishiren? Uh, just the, the history of Nichiren. Um, Nichiren Buddhism, um, the, the, the form of the form of Buddhism we practice, mm-hmm. is named after uh, Nichiren Daishonin, who is the founder. Um, just a brief history. Uh, way back, uh, um, the first Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, um, he taught a lot of teachings about how to attain Buddhahood, attain enlightenment, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we call a higher state of life. And one of the one of his teachings. The Lotus Sutra is basically the final teaching that he taught. And Nichiren was a 12th century Japanese monk who dedicated his life to studying um, the, the teachings of the Buddha. And he came across the Lotus Sutra, the Lotus Sutra which was different from the previous teachings, which said that each and every one of us, we have the potential to attain this enlightenment, which is this inner strength, which is this Buddhahood, the highest state of life. So he, 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 he propagated that. And Nichiren um, studied that intently and propagated it to ordinary people. Um, so he came, up, he came up with this mantra, uh, which is what we recite and chant morning and evening um, in our own private you know, spaces as well as, as a community which is Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. Mm-hmm. So we, ch- we chant that Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo every time we meet in the morning and evening. So basically Nam Myoho Renge Kyo is our way of tapping into this inner Buddhahood, this potential, uh, which we also call you know, uh, um, wisdom, courage, and compassion for us to be able to be victorious in our lives, to expand our lives, 
and also to just live very happy life as ordinary people. So now, can I just explain the meaning of Before we even get there, because I want to talk to you about the the faith itself and and, and the practice and and, and how you study. And I think we'll get to the Namya Renge cure, which was made very famous by Tina Turner, right? Because the whole world now knows Namya Renge cure uh, from that movie. (laughs) But but, um, you, you grew up in Soweto. Yes, um, many years ago, and how do you then get introduced into Buddhism? Um, yes, I grew up in Soweto, and I came to UCT actually in the 90s to study. Mm-hmm. So I was in my second year at UCT. I was about 20, and I met this amazing woman. She was a, she's a professor from the U.S. who was here at that time for a year um, as a, a Fulbright scholar. So she invited me to a meeting one time. I didn't know what it was about. Mm-hmm. I just went because I was excited and I was curious. Mm-hmm. I had heard that she was a Buddhist, but I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I was at that time um, not subscribing to anything really but searching spiritually Mm -hmm. and I went to this house I met these wonderful people the first thing that struck me was um, the warmth um, that these people had in welcoming me they've never met me before Um, and you know they started chatting and and actually the the their attitude towards life, you know, you know, some of, some of them were talking about how they were kicked out. They had just been kicked out of their house, but they were speaking about it with excitement. So I thought that was strange. Wow. And then they started praying and they started, you know, doing this chanting. And the, the, of course, the, the phrase and then the, the, it was strange to me. I'd never heard that before, and I didn't know what it meant. But the rhythm of it, it resonated with me. So I sort of just um, started going to these meetings um, every time. And for about six months, I went to these meetings. I hadn't started chanting on my own because I still felt strange about this. Um, And eventually, as I started, as I went to more meetings and I studied about this Buddhism, I I, I became intrigued and I decided that this is what I wanted to do with my life. So I started chanting. So 17 years later, I'm still going strong. You're still chanting? Yes, I'm twice a day. Um, twice a day, and you know, I meet with other members as well. Um, we have, I have meetings at my house, so it's part of my life basically mm. for the last twenty, for the last seventeen years. Yeah. And then you travel to the U.S. yourself. Yes, yes. I spent about seven years in the U.S. to study, um, and even when I got there, the first people I contacted were the Sokakakai members. I practiced with them for the, those seven years, and they became part of my family. I'm still in touch with them, and I came back to South Africa in 2010 to start working here at UCT, and I'm still practicing, yes. Now, I, I'm curious about how, uh, you know, the quote I mentioned, a great human revolution in just a single individual will enable a change in the destiny of all humankind. And I've seen some changes, and I, I quote Pamela again, whose life has changed tremendously because of, of her faith now and, and, and the practice. And it, 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 you, you talk about, you know, you develop happiness, wisdom, compassion, courage, yeah. which our country really needs right now. And this is why I've, brought, I've decided to talk to you, because maybe you can share some insights into this faith that will help people who are seeking, but also help uh, just us to, to, to connect with ourselves. Mm. So how has you know, it done that for you? Mm. 
Actually, you know, when I one of the things that attracted me to this practice, even though I didn't understand what was it was about and the meanings of the words, and as I said, you know, just starting to chant, you know, the rhythm of it, it really resonated with me. But one of the changes that I saw in my life, I used to struggle a lot with um, uh, low self-esteem. And for me, I always see it as um, it wasn't just about me um, as an individual. For me, it was just, you know, being a black South African, um, you know, at that time, really trying to navigate this this world in post-apartheid South Africa, and 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 how my self-esteem, um, you know, was really low, and I really struggled, and I used to have these uh, thoughts about, you know, how I really felt like my life was bigger than one, than, than um, what I thought, you know, uh, what I was made to believe. And so when I started chanting, um, one of the things that became clear to me was that, wait a minute, I, I am powerful. I have this inner strength. I have my life is expansive. I am, when I chant, I become in rhythm with the universe. And my life is as fast as the universe. So that was powerful for me. So that gradually helped me change the way I perceived myself. And and it also changed the way in which I approach life or approach people or spaces. And and that that, that was an inner transformation for me. And mm-hmm. and I also got to realize that I am this interconnectedness that I have with other people in my environment uh, because the teachings of Buddhism are about that, that you transform your life, but then you also can make an impact in your environment, in your society. So now I began to see that my life is as vast as the universe and I also have a bigger mission in life, which is to transform my own environment, the people around me, and my own country. So I, 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 that, that is very true. We believe because our ultimate goal as Buddhists is to transform society and bring about peace. We believe that if each and every one of us can tap into our inner potential and, you know, call forth this wisdom, courage, and compassion, most importantly, um, we can, you know, impart that in others and, you know, propagate and talk to people, encourage people in faith, and eventually we will achieve peace because we will have people who are happy and confident and wise and, you know, just having a high life condition because mm-hmm. we believe having a high life condition, if you have a positive high life condition in yourself, you are more likely uh, um, to want to, 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 to transfer that to your environment and make a difference in your community. Dr. Kuberger, now, you, you know, it, you make it sound so easy and so, so, so wonderful to, to do, to practice this faith. Um, and and it, it seems like the key you need, and, and it, the key you need is the chant that opens up everything. Oh, yes. Namyo Rengekyo. Namyo Ho Rengekyo. Now, how, can you, you were trying to unpack it for us earlier, the Namyo Rengekyo. What are we saying in effect when you chant? Okay, so the words themselves, nam means to devote, meaning when you sit um, or you sit and chant or you chant wherever you are, mm-hmm. you are saying, I devote my life at this moment to tapping into uh, my Buddhahood. So that's what nam means, mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 I devote my life. And myoho 
is the mystic law. Um, you know, the mystic law meaning that part of the universe, the rhythm of the universe, the law of the universe, the law of cause and effect. We believe in cause and effect, mm-hmm. which is the universal law that governs everything. Mm-hmm. So when you chant, you are tapping into that from within your life. You're calling that forth from within your life, and you're connecting, and you're becoming in rhythm with the universe. So you're calling that forth. So basically, it's I devote my life to the to the mystic law of cause and effect, mm-hmm. um, and renge means through cause and effect, you know, through the action that brings about cause. And also renge um, represent, you know, I don't know if you heard of the lotus flower. Yes, yes. Um, the lotus flower, there's a nice explanation about the lotus flower, that it grows in a muddy pond. And, you know, a muddy pond is very messy, but the lotus flower is beautiful. So we believe that within the chaos of life, within the good and the bad, because as human beings, we have our good side and we have our bad side. So we embrace that because we believe within that we can transform all of that. So uh, the, the lotus flower is symbolic of that, our potential as human beings to, you know, to transform and to tap into and call forth our Buddha nature. We believe each and every person has the potential to do good, and 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 within wherever we are as ordinary human beings. So that's renge, and cure means to uh, through teaching. So I devote my life to the cause to the mystic law of the cause and of cause and effect through teachings um, or or word, you know, because we use our voice when we chant. Mm-hmm. So that's the meaning of namiho renge cure. Now, um, the experience of it, and you, you, you're right when you said it, it sounds easy. Mm. Uh, one of the things that when I first started chanting, because of course I didn't know what this was about, and I was just curious, um, the lady who introduced me said, just chant for 30 days. Just chant for anything in your life. Just mm. uh, for, for morning and evening, 10 minutes, just do that and start and you'll see. I guarantee you, you will see your life transform. And that's what I did. And I'm still, I never looked back. Now, is that, my is life that, really transformed. Yeah. The chanting is like a, a meditation of sorts, is it? It is like a meditation of sorts, but it's different from the other forms of silent meditation because we use our voice. Mm. Uh, because when we chant, we want to be alert. You know, we, 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 we tune into our, all our five senses, you know, your eyes and your ears. You know, basically when you are invoking, invoking, those words, you're calling forth and you're speaking to the universe. You know, you want to be alert. So we use our voice. So you should uh, come and see us in one of our meetings where we chant in unison. It's such a beautiful rhythm and sound of people collectively chanting together. Um, so, yeah, we use our voice. You know, I, I think because it, a lot of religions and a lot of faiths have, have that kind of... Uh, uh, the kind of practice as well, you know, it would be people singing church together, um, and 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 it, it just explains that when, in numbers you are able to get into the universal rhythm. But when, what does it feel like? And that's what I want to know. When somebody has been chanting, because I know some people are going to start chanting today, <laughs> and to, and find out to find out what happens after that many days. Um, is there a particular feeling? Is, is there? How do you recognize the change within you? Uh, it's a feeling of of elation, excitement, and you know what, Shadow. I've been in the last couple of weeks. I've been chanting because 
um, things, there's a lot that's been happening in my life, you know, with work, it's very, it's overwhelming and, you know, sometimes you feel overwhelmed and you feel like you're getting sucked in and you don't know where you are at times. So, but for me, what may, what helps is when I go home and chant, I, I, and, and of course, when I, you have to focus, you have to focus on really calling forth your Buddhahood. I find that when I go to my altar and my mind is busy with all this stuff, I can't focus, but then when I stop in the moment, when I, as I continue to chant, I stop and I just want to push everything aside, and there's this sense of calm, there's this, I feel grounded, more grounded, and when I feel like that, I don't feel ever overwhelmed anymore. It feels like in this moment, I am in my Buddhahood, mm-hmm. and nothing else matters, and all is well. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, I can just be happy in this moment. What's on your altar? Um, What's on my altar? Mm. I have... Um, Is that little have... Buddha man, you know, that we all buy at stores? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that. uh, also, that's the most important... Uh, that's, a, that's a good question because mm. um, I think when Nichiren, Nichiren um, you, know, uh, start, you know, studied this Buddhism and he coined the phrase Nami Horenge Kyo, as I mentioned before, for ordinary people, as you are. He wanted us to chant and be able to access this wherever we are. Mm. We don't have to change who we are. And so he... He, what he did, because knowing that, you know, when you, you know, when, you know, these um, leaders, when they die, people tend to deify them, you know, they mm. create these gods, and mm. we don't mm. have that in this Buddhism. So what Nichiren did instead, he, he inscribed what he calls a kohonzon, which is a scroll, it's a paper, um, where at the center of it is Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, so that for us, when we chant, we focus on that. So, um, and everything else. So basically, the Kohonzon is a representation of life itself. So at the center of it is Namihorengekyo. So each and every one of us who are members of the Soka Kagai International, when you decide to join, um, after a while you, you, you get your Kohonzon. You get your own little scroll. Is that your so graduation, that, your graduation certificate, really? Well, well, not really. It's like if you, when you decide to commit yourself to mm-hmm. the practice. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you get that conferred and you put that in your altar. We have a little box called the Butsuden. So it's a very nice wooden box where we keep our kohonza. And, and, and then I have that in my house and then I have this little table. And we also have plants like flowers or you know, green greenery mm-hmm. so because you know it's a, it's a ritual you know and also it's helpful for us as human beings you know because you know we like ritual mm-hmm. it also keeps you organized and focused so when i every time in the morning when i get up after i finish my shower i just sit in front of my altar and i chant because we're used to that as human beings but you can chant anyway you know, so I have that and greenery, and I have water, and I have candles. So that's my altar. Every one of us has that, yeah. I just discovered that, in fact, it was on the 12th of October when Nichiren inscribed the Daiko Honzon yes. transcription. So uh, it's, you're getting good at this. It's amazing. I've been I've been trying to read about it before I talk to you. That's how I discovered all of this, you know. So it's really about more than 700 years ago when when the yes, the, the Gohonzon was 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 inscribed. Yes, that's amazing. So you're saying the the little Buddha man that we keep and we whose stomach we rub it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It 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 it's it's not it's not a uh, a sign of being um, in a in a in a Buddhahood state. 
No, not for Nichiren Buddhist, not this form of Buddhism. Um, yeah. Okay. So for us, it's the Kohonzon, um, the, 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 the scroll that I was talking about. Yeah. Now, your, your, your SGI, is it? Yes, Sokakai International. Sokakai yes. International in, in, in mm-hmm. South Africa is, in, no, I must, I must now go to news headlines, but I want to talk to you about that and where people can go and uh, get more information if they are interested. Um, okay, great. And we'll, we'll talk to you in a bit about that. And also uh, think about this. Uh, and you said people had been chucked out of their homes, but they were smiling. I know Pamela was in a bad space. She went into Nichiren Buddhism. Do you have to be at that worst place in your life to get into Buddhism and how it helps you? Think about that. And when I come back, we'll talk to you some more and you, you answer those questions. But now it's time for news headlines with Anne Musa. Otherwise, on SAFM. Um, we're talking Nichiren Buddhism here with uh, Dr. Kosugubega, who has been practicing for 17 years. Dr. Gubega, um you, you heard what I asked. Um, yes. And yes. When, when we first heard the words, uh, Nam Myong Renge Kyo was f- from a battered uh, Tina Turner after her horrible uh, lifestyle she held, she, life she lived with her husband. So the sad stories before people get to start chanting, is, is that where it should begin? Um, I I don't think so, but you know, as I was, as we were, uh, uh, when you were on break, I was thinking about the question, and um, I know in one of Nichiren's writings, uh, uh, he talks about earthly desires being enlightenment. Earthly desires. Earthly desires mm-hmm. are enlightenment. Ah. So, which means that you know, we as human beings. Because, uh, especially with this form of Buddhism, you really don't need to um, let go of, you know, earthly attachments, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, desires, you Mm. know, things that, you know, we want, like, you know, relationships, you know, Mm. jobs or good health and all of those are earthly desires. So you don't need let go of that okay. um, in order to to be happy in okay. order to because sometimes those you know having those desires also come with the burdens of you know you know unhappiness and suffering so that's mm-hmm. what we, we call it but then he says you don't have to let go of that in fact the earthly desires are our pathway to enlightenment, which means because we want these things, we have these desires that are burning in our lives and, you know, ex- that, that come with the suffering of the experiences that we have, that each and every one of us struggle with a lot of challenges in life. What that does, it encourages us to sit and chant. And when we chant, in addition to transforming what we call poison into medicine, transforming our lives, transforming those challenges and winning over them, we get the uh, benefit of actually, you know, attaining Buddhahood, which is the whole point, really. This is what I've come to realize Mm. in the last couple of years of my chanting, that when I am challenging something, when I am really struggling with something, that's when I chant more. Mm. And in return, I, my life just changes. And I, and, I, and I think if I don't, because really when, you, when life is going well, when everything is going well, you know, some of us, you know, we, our practice becomes slow because everything is going well. But when you're challenging something, 
you know, you really want to transform something because that's the thing with, with this practice. Mm. You know, when you face with a challenge, make a determination that I am going to win over this. Oh. I am going to transform this situation. I'm going to change this poison into medicine because you know you can. So you sit and you chant and you chant and chant until you transform the situation. So that's that's how I see that that whole point about um, you know suffering and how to how, how we how we how we deal with it through daimoko nam chanting nam Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Dr. Kubega. And uh, you, how do people learn more about these teachings or the philosophy of uh, nature and Buddhism? Um, we have our website um, in South Africa. It's the sgi-sa.org.za. So there's a lot of information about the organization. We have in Johannesburg, uh, we have a community center in Park View or Park Town. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go online um, on this website, you will see. And we also, because we practice you know, in our own homes, and we also meet as groups, in different in people's homes. Okay. So if anyone is interested, I mean, I can leave my information with you, especially if you are in the Cape Town area, because we have a local organization here and a couple of people that you know uh, people can connect with, and you know, so that's how we that's how we 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 we, we um, meet people. Okay. So if anyone is interested, and then I can give you my give you my email address and my phone number, and then I can connect whoever is interested to the organization. Is your is your email address on the SGISA website? Uh, no, no, not really. Okay, so give us your email address then. Okay, it's kosi dot kubega mm-hmm. at gmail dot mm-hmm. com. Fantastic at gmail dot com. Yes. Now, yeah. before I let you go, do you want to do a little chant with me? Yes, yes, yes. Go ahead. Let's do it. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Nam yo ho renge kyo, nam yo ho renge kyo, nam yo ho renge kyo, nam yo ho renge. You're not joining me, Shadow. <laughs> no, no, I, I need to get your rhythm first. <laughs> nam yo ho renge kyo, nam yo ho renge kyo. Thank you so much, darling. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You have yourself a great day. Bye. Bye bye. Dr. Kosigubega, practitioner of Nature and Buddhism that she's been practicing for uh, 17 years. So, Kosi, K-H-O-S-I, Gubega, it's K-U-B-E-K-A at gmail.com if you want to know more about Nichiren and Buddhism. But coming back, uh, we're talking creative writing workbook, which is called To the Islands. It's by Anne Schuster and Erica Kutzier. But Erica Kutzier will join us to talk about this amazing, amazing book after this. Otherwise, on SAFM... Erica Kutzier is a co-author of To the Islands, a creative writing workbook. Erica, welcome. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Congratulations. This is such an amazing book. I tried to, to, to read it, and I, I realized that um, the practice is going to be longer than I, I thought by the time I spoke to you, I, I, I would boast a poem or two or a stanza from somewhere. <laughs> but I see that you, you use a... a uh, a philosophy which is a, is, a, is a Japanese philosophy. It's actually Chinese. Is it Chinese? It's, it's Taoism. Okay. Taoism, some people say, um, which um, is practiced in various parts of the East, but I think it is originally Chinese more than Japanese. Oh, okay. 
Now, tell us a bit about it, because I think uh, even even the, the, the islands uh, are named in a kind of eastern way, the islands that you want us to, yes. to visit in our heads. So the, I think the, um, it's, not a, it's not a religious book, no. but um, the ideas, um, there, there are five main ideas from Taoism that inspired the five different chapters of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are really about um, finding ease and um, spontaneity in your writing mm-hmm. um, and also um, trusting the, the embodied the embodied way in which your writing comes to you that your, your body is the place where you um, experience writing and also where you create it from um, and also the idea of pursuing your intuition and dealing with contradiction and paradox in your writing. So mm. those are the ideas from Taoism that inspired inspired some of the exercises in the book. Now, I'm, I enjoyed the fact, it, I was encouraged by the fact that it's not only for, for established writers, this That's book. Right. It is also for beginners. So I, I did a bit of a test with myself and how one gets uh, into the habit of writing. Can you tell us about that as a beginner? Well, I think that the, the premise of the book is that um, that there are many people who might not think of themselves as, as writers, but that actually um, love to write um, and maybe haven't written for many, many years, um, maybe even as far back as, as school, mm. um, but that have always wanted to, to write, but for some reason um, are intimidated to do so or just don't quite know how to start. Um, and the book really tries to encourage people to just get over that little resistance and to just practice writing for a little, a few minutes a day. Um, the, the, the exercises in the book can mostly be completed in about 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if you just do something small every day, you can kind of um, get over your your resistance or, or, or whatever is keeping you from writing mm-hmm. and just get into a rhythm of doing it quite often and not taking it too seriously. And, you know, it's, we, 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 it's not about writing books, is this, I mean, I mean this, this book, uh, it's, it's, it's not only talking to people who would want to write a novel, for instance. Exactly. The, the, writings, is, the, the writings can be used in, in, in your work environment, for that matter. It could be used if you are a teacher or a manager or a any, maybe somebody who works in marketing, um, anybody who, who uses writing in their work um, and would like to do it more creatively. Mm-hmm. I, I have a challenge. I, I, I like writing and I like writing. Uh, I write a lot. I've got lots of little scrapbooks and, and, and stuff. But the, the reason my writing has never gotten where it's supposed to get to is because I, I, I edit myself so often. I, as I'm writing, I'm editing. Is that the right thing to do? Well, I think we all do that naturally, and somehow that teacher that you had in grade three or four <laughs> that used to wrap you over the knuckles if you made a, a spelling mistake kind of lurks at the back of our minds when we write. Um, and I think what happens if you edit yourself all the time while you write, um, the writing becomes very burdensome, and you can almost feel it in the writing. Um, so the book encourages an approach to writing which 
says as a first step to just free write, which is a, a, a writing technique in which you don't edit yourself. You just write without stopping, without reading back, um, and without criticizing yourself um, until a certain amount of time is up and that you can always go back and edit afterwards so that um, it gives you more space to get the ideas onto paper first mm -hmm. and then you can afterwards shape them into something you'd be happy to show someone else if you wanted to. Do we, do we all have it in us to write? I believe we do. I believe that um, anybody who wants to write um, and enjoys writing um, could, will definitely benefit from writing. Um, if it's, if it's a way of, it's a very valuable way of processing what happens to us in the rest of our lives. Um, so I think, I think everybody can write. Yes. Well, Erica, I'm, I'm, I'm going to test this. Uh, I, I, and and I, I will talk to you again because I want to improve my writing and I'm encouraging everyone to get uh, to buy to the islands because I, I want us to unleash the, the, the stories within us, mm, which I think this book encourages one to do. Do you teach at all? Um, no, I don't. Um, and um, Schuster um, was running um, the, the course that mm -hmm. the book is based on, mm -hmm. um, but is not running it at the moment. Um, so it's the, the book is really there for people to um, to to use individually, but but also it's an it's a nice thing for people to form groups and to work on the exercises together. Oh, fantastic! I really appreciate you for producing this book and and to Anne Schuster as well, and we'll be in touch when I publish my book. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> I'll try with a bit of poetry first, but but uh, because now I've learned about free writing, yes. so I'm going to go to all these islands and visit them in my head, uh -huh. and hopefully I come up with some lovely stories to tell. Oh, fantastic! But it's thank you, thank you, thank you for the book, and it's available at all good bookstores, right? Yeah. People could ask at their bookstores. Otherwise, I'm very welcome to contact me. Um, I can give my email address. Please do. Um, it's Erica with a C mm -hmm. at Millie.com. Millie. M-I-E-L-I-E. -E as in Millie's. As in Millie. <laughs> yes. Millie.com. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you so much um, for, for your time. Huh? Thank you, Shadow. Thank you, Erica. Bye-bye. It really, I'm raving about this book, people, because I, I, it, it just gave me some easy, easy paths of where to go. And the, the best thing is not to edit yourself. And it, it, where you should be sitting when you're writing, just don't, um, yeah, it, it doesn't have to make sense at the beginning. So let's all go writing. Let's listen to some music before the kiddies program. Here's music by Oyston Sevag.
song is called There's a Monk in My Garden by Oyston Sevak, which brings us to time for Shop Shop. Shop Shop Children's Program on SAFM with Leon Fisser. And it is Shop Shop, it's Shop Shop from the Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Shop Shop. Today, we're coming to you live from the KwaZulu-Natal Midlands as Gogo Tandi and I continue our fabulous, amazing, incredible adventure across South Africa. Hello, everyone. I don't know about you, Leon, but I am speechless. Gogo, but you can't be speechless. We're live on national radio. Our friends are waiting to hear about our trip. It's just... It's just too much. What is, Gogo? Everything. It's just too... Too beautiful. Wherever we go, whether it's in the Western Cape, the Eastern Cape, oh, right here in KwaZulu-Natal, the landscape just takes my breath away. Hey, I mean, just look around you, Leon. The Midlands, shoo, so green, so full of life, so, so, ish. I don't know what else to say. Uh, okay. Friends, well, let's leave Gogotandi to have a moment of quietness while I tell you a bit more about where we are. Let's see if you can guess exactly where we are. Can you hear that? What do you think it could be? It sounds like water, doesn't it? Quite a lot of water moving very fast. Hey! Yes, it is a waterfall. A waterfall is a place, well, where water falls. (laughs) Here, the Umgeni River pours over a high cliff at tremendous speed and crashes into a pool below. It's quite spectacular. This magnificent place is called the Howick Falls. It's 95 meters high and it's right in the Midlands, in the heart of the beautiful KZN, KwaZulu-Natal. It's a magical place and there are many legends about it. Some say that in the pool at the bottom of the falls there lives a huge snake called in in Inkanyamba, Leon. There are even people who come here to offer gifts and speak with their ancestors. Thank you, Gogo. Whew, I thought I was going to be on my own for the rest of the episode. <laughs> hey, it's just too interesting. Leon, do you know the Zulu people of KwaZulu Natal call this waterfall Kwanongaza? Kwanongaza, Gogo? What does that mean? It means place of the tall one. Wow, that makes sense. It is a very tall waterfall. <laughs> tall waterfall that even rhymes. Hey, wait. Kwanon Gaza Kwazulu. Well spotted, Leon. Kwa means the place of. Kwanon Gaza is the place of the tall one. And Kwazulu means the place of the Zulus. The place of the Zulus. That makes sense. Especially here in the Midlands, you can really see why KwaZulu was named the place of Zulus. 
because between the towns there are so many little beautiful Zulu huts scattered everywhere. Eh, and yesterday we were lucky enough to visit a little Zulu homestead. <laughs> and we were treated to some amazing traditional Zulu dancing, and we got a glimpse into traditional Zulu customs. Hmm. The ladies showed me how they beat necklaces. I even chose some beads to make a bracelet myself. And then Leon. <laughs> okay, Coco. You can <laughs> you can go ahead and tell them. Ooh, Leon went off with some of the dancers to dress up in the traditional Zulu warrior gear. Hey, he was given a spear and a shield made of cow skin and a small... It's called a isinene, Gogo. <laughs> <laughs> it's the front little apron that Zulu warriors wore a very long time ago. It's made of animal skin. The back apron is called the ibeshu. And then the cow's tail that goes on the arm and below the knees are called amashoba. Very, very good, Leon. You are learning Zulu very fast. <laughs> Thanks, Gogo. But they didn't give me a umkwelele. Did I say that right, Gogo? Hmm. Umkwelele. Which umkwele. is the, Ah, umkwele. Umkwele. Wow, which is the headband because I'm not married. Did you know only married men wear the headbands? Yo, children, you should have seen Leon dancing with the warriors. Stamping and waving his arms and stamping some more while the drummer pounded on the drums. <laughs> I wish they would have let me play the drums. It would have been much better than my Zulu dancing, that's for sure. Well, Leon, at least you've got rhythm. In fact, I thought you did such a wonderful job that I'm going to give you the beaded bracelet I made. Oh, thank you, Gogo. It's so beautiful. I must say, I feel quite honoured. Hey! <laughs> ah, I have a question for you, Leon. Who was the most famous leader of the Zulus? He lived here in Zululand 200 years ago. And he united the Nguni tribes, brought them together to form the great Zulu nation we have today. Gogo, I know the answer. It's Shaka Zulu. Yes. And I am sure the children at home knew that too. They are very clever. Just like you, Leon. <laughs> and I'm sure they also know that the president of our country, Jacob Zuma, is a Zulu. That's right. Now, tell us, Leon, what did the guy tell you about the Drakensberg Mountains when we were there? <sighs> well, friends, the Drakensberg here in KwaZulu-Natal is the largest mountain range in South Africa. It's almost a thousand kilometers long. It runs all the way from the Eastern Cape right up to the Limpopo province. Mm -hmm. The mountains are often covered in snow in winter. Ha! It gets very cold here. Ha! <laughs> ah, but you, to see 
all that snow. <laughs> and in the Drakensberg, you'll find the Royal Natal National Park and the amazing amphitheater, a series of cliffs five kilometers wide and half a kilometer high. The highest peak is Montesources, the starting point of five different rivers, including the Orange River. Montesources is also where you'll find the second highest waterfall in the world, Gogo. Can you believe it? It's called the Tugela Falls. Mm. Wow! The second highest falls in the world! Ah, right here in KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa! <laughs> The amphitheatre is called the amphitheatre because the cliffs are shaped like the seats of a theatre, with the most amazing views. Mm, sure. You know, children, I think Leon should be my tour guide for the rest of this trip. <laughs> I'd love that, Gogo. Wait, wait. Let me practice my tour guide voice. Now, folks, if you look out of the window to your right-hand side... <laughs> no, sir, that's your other right... High up over the mountain there, you'll see the Lammergeier, otherwise known as the bearded vulture. These birds only live in very high mountain areas like the Himalaya Mountains and the Drakensberg people. It's called the bearded vulture because it looks like it has a beard, but it's actually just the feathers on its neck that looks like a fluffy beard. That's the Lammergeier, folks. Thank you for joining us, folks. Have a lovely day, folks. <laughs> okay, 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 Leon. Enough okay. of the folks. I want to ask you one last question, Mr. Smarty Pants. Okay, anything, Gogo. Okay. Do you know how the Drakensberg got its name? Whoa. Well, Draken comes from the Dutch or the Afrikaans word for dragon, and Berg means mountain. But how it was actually named, I, I don't know, Gogo. You got me. Aha! The story goes that in the late 1800s, a little four tracker boy and his father were climbing in these mountains when a great shadow oh. suddenly fell over them. They looked up to see huge wings crossing the sky overhead. What? Was it a Lamagire? It might have been, Leon. It might have been. Or maybe, as they believed, it really was a dragon. What? A dragon? Here in sunny South Africa, it couldn't have been a dragon. There's no such thing as dragons, is there, Gogo? Hey, hey, you know, I never believed that they were dragons, but this magical place, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Mm. Wow, what a thought, Dragon Mountain. You don't happen to know what the Drakensberg is called in Zulu, do you, Gogo? The Zulu people call it Ukasamba, which means the barrier of spears. Because the mountains rise up like the points of a thousand spears from the ground. Wow, thank you, Gogo. Ukashlamba. 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 Yes. Beautiful. Salanigashe. That means stay well in Zulu.